Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about hell in a cell from this past Sunday and what a pay-per-view it was. Three awesome hell in a cell matches, possibly an amazing match and we definitely got an amazing story from two different matches i think the match of the night was sasha and bailey we get into that but to me the best story was roman reigns and jay uso plus we got another historic match from randy orton now a 14 time wwe champion a lot to get into on this edition of the busted open podcast if you told me, well, you can only pick one, uh, see, even your dog agrees, you can only pick <laughs> one match for the cell last night, yes, I have to go with Roman and the Usos um, and, and Heyman because that was epic storytelling. This is almost next-level stuff that I don't even think some wrestling fans can comprehend. And when I say some wrestling fans can't comprehend, I'm not challenging their intellect. I'm saying mm-hmm. age-wise. There, there were things going on there last night that I don't think some people in the WWE universe, some fans can even relate to. Uh, the the emotion of it, I'm not sure that they can relate to. The the um the, the time that they took to tell the story at the end of the match and as they were you know leading to the ending of the match and then the aftermath, I don't know if they can relate to. Um, Alpha and Sika on the stage yeah. like dave i know for guys like me and you i know anybody in our age bracket i know uh wrestling fans that watched afa and sika during their career or know what it is for them to appear together in the wwe you're talking about like gods coming down from the heavens to be seen like once every 76 years like Haley's comment afa and sika show up they don't just put Afa and Sika out there at any time. As a matter of fact, other than when they might be sitting in the front row at WrestleMania to give Roman or one of their family members a hug, you don't see these cats. When you see them last night and what they did by acknowledging Roman and putting him up on the throne, so to speak, by putting the ceremonial headdress, uh, not headdress, but uh, um necklace around him yeah i got chills because i know and understand what that is in the context of the story i'm wondering if a 25 year old wwe fan gets it uh i'm gonna say yes and here's what not to the significance of you and i bully that, that not, that's not gonna happen if somebody is 25 years younger than we are knowing the wild samoans like you do and like i do as fans but i 
this is where you give the commentators of the WWE a lot of credit, and especially Michael Cole. He has done a great job, not just last night, but leading up to what we saw last night, telling the story of this family and the family ties. And I thought he did a great job of painting that picture last night as well. So even though the significance of it isn't going to match what you and I feel, I think they did a good enough job describing that to the to the younger fan of the WWE universe. And that is the importance of commentary. They are storytellers just like wrestlers are in the ring, and they did get that across. I want to try to paint a little picture of what was going on in my life last night and the significance mm -hmm. of Afa and Sika. So I had gotten home about 10 minutes before Helena Cell had started last night, and I had some things to do at the house, and I had a little, uh, little household emergency that I had to tend to. So I took my computer, I set it up, so at least I had the match on. I could watch it in the kitchen while I was putting some groceries away and doing the thing, that, fixing the, the leaky pipe or whatever the hell I was doing, right? Yeah. And I, I'm watching and I'm listening, I remember at the end of the match, I had texted, uh, not texted, I had tweeted about the storytelling. And I tweeted a little too soon, I think, because I tweeted before Afa and Sika came out. And then I sent out my tweet about it because I thought it was epic storytelling and it was so good and I felt the need to put Roman and the Usos over. And then I went back to the refrigerator to put some stuff away. And when Afa and Sika came out, Dave, I stopped dead in my tracks in the kitchen. I was frozen, and I I was like, I, I almost got like a lump in my throat because I was like, I'm witnessing WWF royalty right now. These are the guys that I first saw when I turned on a television set as a kid. These were the guys that gave me and Devon an award in 1997 at the Cauliflower Alley Club. These are guys that I have uh, uh, have had a relationship with. These are guys, Afensika, that I, about a year ago before the pandemic started, I spent an hour with at a hotel in like Columbus, Ohio at a, uh, at, at a convention and, and have become friendly with over the years. Now to see them out there again, for me, it was a huge deal. And I'm sitting there wondering to myself, man, I hope all wrestling fans understand the significance of this moment. Because for me, on a professional level and a, and a personal level, seeing Afa and Sika, to me, it's like be-all, end-all stuff. Because they're probably the last of the, the old guard, right? That's really, truly still around. And I'm glad that they brought them into this story, too. They they didn't have to do that. They could have acknowledged them without bringing them in. The fact that they brought them in, like you said, it stopped you in your tracks. Stopped you in your tracks. That's how significant being able to see them at the top of that entrance walkway means. Because you're right, Bully. How many times have we started shows with one of the wrestlers that we grew up watching passing away? I mean, we just did it recently with Road Warrior Animal. To have both wild Samoans there and to be able to participate in that ending means everything to a pro wrestling fan. 
And and I would also love to hear from some of our younger fans. Like it's good. I I know Izzy's going to be on later. She's going to call in, and I know you're going to. Well, she might just, be training for her appearance at on the bump on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, hey, she, she you got know. herself over. She got herself a spot. She got her foot in the door. It yeah, Gabby like- and Ed, you guys get ready for your. Uh, you know, they'll be they'll be. I'm sure Matt Camp's going to be calling you guys, asking you to jump ship and go over there. But I think Izzy's going to be a great uh, barometer for what I had just said. As At mm-hmm. 13, 14 years old, did she understand the significance of, like, Afa and Sika and can younger fans? Because I felt not only was I shocked, not only was I caught up in the moment, 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 moment. Remember, we create moments. I was wondering to myself and hoping to myself, wow, I hope all fans get this. And then the crazy part was about – a half an hour after that was all over, and I went back and, and had a moment to check social media and see what people were thinking, I saw a section of the wrestling audience who didn't like Roman and Uso. And it was because of the pacing, oh, the God. slow pacing, the oh. slow to- storytelling. What people oh. don't understand is that's the way it was meant to be done. I'm not telling you your high spot wrestling match, flippy dippy 450 wrestling matches are not fun to watch. But what you saw last night with Roman Reigns, the Usos, Paul Heyman, that is what storytelling looks like, sounds like, feels like, smells like. That's what that's that's what it is when it's done correctly. They gave you lots of movement in the beginning. They gave you the story of the match. Nobody was yelling and screaming at each other. It was like I was witnessing hap- this was happening in their home. This was about our family. And our house has always been the WWE. So we're going to have this family fight at home for the world to see. Have you ever, I was just going to say, have you ever been over a family friend's house or a relative like where? you know, they're having an argument within the house and you're there and it's like awkward. Like, you know, that's what I felt like last night. Also, another thing, and we're in the Halloween season, you ever see like a scary movie where you're like at the edge of your seat and you're like, I wish this would end already. Like, uh, please, like something, you know, something make this end. Because when he was beaten on Jay Uso and the referee is begging him, like, all you have to do is say I quit. This is going to be all, all you have to do is say I quit. And Roman is telling the referee to shut the fuck up, basically. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there watching and I'm cringing. Because I'm like, for God's sakes, just say I quit already. You're not going to win this match. You're beyond that. You're, you've gone past that point of no return. There's nothing good that's going to happen here. Just say I quit. All those emotions, awkward, cringeworthy, you know, pleading for Jey Uso to just say I quit. Like every type of emotion that you could possibly think of was going through my body and my mind as I was watching those last few minutes of that match. Bully, if you want to talk about storytelling, that was one of the best stories I've seen in the ring from the WWE and I don't know how many years. Seriously. And I'm almost wondering if wrestling fans are so desensitized to that level of storytelling that they can't get into that level of storytelling. I felt bad for wrestling fans last night who did not get it. Yes. 
because that's what it's all that's what it should be that's when you have emotional investment that's when you have characters with depth so check this out i i screen capped something a, a tweet last night that i wanted to read to you real quick Bully and Dave, I thought about you guys and and how excited I was was to listen to Busted Open this morning. This match drew me in. I felt sympathy, fear, angst, and (laughs) other emotions. I haven't read stuff like that in a long, long time. And I was like, wow, this goes to my whole theory about using more emotions than just the emotion of joy when you're watching a spot fest match. Yay, ooh, ah, wow, yay, ooh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can only pop in so many different noises and sounds. It's all about love and hate, happy and sad, fear, angst, like the guy saying, they ran the gamut of emotions. Last night when that was over, I was looking for a pack of cigarettes. (laughs) I needed a cigarette when that was all done. What a phenomenal performance by everybody involved. And when you just mentioned the referee, like when the referee was talking, right, and and Roman shot him down, it's almost as if Roman's basically saying, you're so inconsequential to this entire scenario that's playing out. Just stay there and be seen. This is between family. He even did that to Paul Heyman. If you go back and watch it, the hand motions he gave, like Paul Heyman was kind of like whether he was telling him to slow down or what he was t- cheering him on. Like every time Roman's eyes connected with Heyman, he kind of just brushed him off with his hand. Ray- you know who Heyman reminds me of in this entire story? Rehnquist. Do you know who Rehnquist is? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Ed, is, Ed is nodding up and down. Is it a Star Wars character? No, it's not Star Wars. Ed, why don't you chime in and smart and Dave up as you normally have to do? <laughs> if if my reference is, is on point here, I believe we're talking about Dracula. Correct. Oh, Renfield. Okay. Uh, Renfield? Yeah, Renfield. Oh, maybe you're right and you had to smart me up. Good. Oh, touche, <laughs> Dave LeGregor, touche. <laughs> but Renquist, at least we met- Renfield... We met in the same place, so we all know okay, what we're okay. talking about It's here. Redfield. Right. Okay, we're I know good. who you're talking Renfield. about now. Yes. Okay. okay, Renfield. Renfield bowed down to Dracula, was his humble servant, did whatever he was, knowing full well at any given moment Dracula could whack him, but didn't care just because he got to walk amongst Dracula and be his number one guy. That's what Haman is. You can see the fear in his eyes. Heyman has taken on a completely different role and persona with Roman than he did the Beast. Paul Heyman was never scared of Brock Lesnar. Never. Paul Heyman is terrified of Roman Reigns. There's a big difference wow. there. It's And it's true. And you never would have thought it when they first got together, but Roman really does not need Paul Heyman at all. He really doesn't. I mean, he has been able to do, I I think, and you know what? People might think I'm crazy. I thought, I forget about championships and all this type of stuff. I thought that was the most significant match in Roman Reigns career was last night. The, that was a match that to me was his greatest work of art is what we saw last night at hell in a cell 
I agree. And anybody who, listen, if you have a different opinion on what you saw last night, that's fine. I, I'd love to know why we can discuss it. I'll never sit here and tell you you have to like something or you don't have to like something or you have to agree with my take on a match. Last night was brilliant. It was epic. It was so well done. I, as a fan, I was so happy to watch it. I could not take my, my eyes off of it while it was unfolding in front of me. It, 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 was, it was that well done. And I mean, and then means- afterwards, then afterwards, Roman looking at them and go, I love y'all. I love y'all. Like, if a family, when, when, when dad got done giving you a beating because you screwed up, your dad, you knew you, your dad still loved you at the end of the day, right? Yep. He kicked your ass though, right? Yeah, of course. I caught a couple, and the way I see it, everybody catches a beating every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> still love you. You're still my family. And the fact that Afa and Sika did not give a shit about the Usos. You know why? Because in our family, only the strong survive. Masters Moments. 1986. A 46-year-old Jack Nicholas made a back nine charge and came to the 17th hole tie for the lead. Jack Nicholas has looked over this birdie opportunity from about 18 feet. Maybe. Yes, sir! After a par at the 18th, Nicholas would don his record sixth green jacket. Okay, all I keep reading in the papers is you just don't win the Masters at age 46. Masters Week begins November 9th on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, Sirius 208, and XM 92. You know what? You asked a bunch of questions surrounding that matchup from last night. And I think we're going to go right to the phones because every phone call that's on hold right now wants to talk about Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. So let's get right to the busted open nation. Let's go to Jason in St. Louis. Jason, Roman and Jay from last night, buddy. What's up, fellas? Hey, Dave, I know I call and give you shit all the time, but today I'm not. I have to say thank you to you and Bully for opening my eyes to the way of wrestling. That match last night was possibly the greatest story that the WWE has told in five years. Anybody that is saying that that match was complete garbage and went on too long, hell, I wanted it to be the entire pay-per-view because that's what a family does when they fight. It ain't until... The elders come out to stop the fight. I mean, me and my brother would beat each other up for 45 minutes before mom and dad would finally come out and say, that's it, you guys are done. And then the way Heyman, I mean, Bully, like you said with Heyman and Brock, the way Heyman looks at Les, or uh, looks at Reigns is in complete and utter terrifying. He just He's terrified of the man. And just his facial expressions, like after that match when Reigns walks up the ramp and Heyman's just like got this big stare glared look at Roman with this fear in his face, just unbelievable. And then, I mean, then you got the wild Samoans, the main guys of the entire Samoa family coming out, crowning them as the tribal chief. I mean, this is a story I could watch for all the way till next WrestleMania. It was, it's just that good. And for my 21-year-old son and my 13-year-old son who watched it with me last night, you know, my 13-year-old's like, God, why doesn't he stop beating him up? Got so wrapped up into it. And then my 21-year-old son, who I know is listening, 
you know, understanding this whole significance of the wild Samoans being there. I mean, Jason, I mean, yeah. So I want to ask you a question about something that you said at the beginning of the phone call. You said, Dave, uh, Dave and Bully, I want to thank you for opening my eyes. And to me, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? How did we open your eyes and what did we open your eyes to? You know, it's like it's like you constantly say, "Bull." You know, I, I I was a huge ECW fan at that time. It was all about the spots, right? And I didn't really care about the story that was being told, you know. But then once you look at it as a story and look at it, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's just it's it was that's what really changed my eyes. And you know, and Dave, I know I've given you trouble about Charlotte, and I mean Charlotte is. Don't even classify her as a female wrestler. She's just one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. You know, in this whole new Roman Reigns, you know, Dave, I called in before when you had other co-hosts way back in the day and said how I hated Reigns. I honestly love Reigns as this heel tribal character Reigns. I mean, it's just the way I look at wrestling now is totally different, you know, scientifically psychology, all of that. It's just a, and it makes wrestling that much better to watch if you actually thanks, listen Jason. to you guys. Yeah, and Jason, thanks for the phone call. And I think it was a really good first phone call to take today, Bully, for a couple of different reasons, because I think Jason answered a lot of the questions that you brought up in that opening of today's show. You talked about the younger fan. He has... T- you know, two younger children that watched along with him and they got the significance of it. And you know what? I think it's kind of cool that he's watching with them and they had questions and asked them, you know? And I think the most significant though, Bully, is what you threw back at Jay and that is about opening of the eyes because in a lot of what goes on in the world of professional wrestling, especially right now, Bully, I think we lose what professional wrestling is all about in the art of storytelling. And, you know, listen, I know sometimes we can we can sound like the old men in the room about spot fest, spot, 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 spot. But you can't tell me that a spot fest match, and we see a lot of them, where, you know, you got somebody waiting outside the ring to catch somebody because when they're jumping over off the top rope or you see pay, you, you see a match where you, it, it's, you're not getting reactions, you're getting like, all right, here's my next move. Go and watch what we just watched and witnessed last night with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and tell me there's not a significant difference between those two matches when it comes to emotional investment because bully it's emotional investment that's going to make you tune in the next week that's going to make you buy a ticket to go to an arena and it's emotional investment that's going to make you buy for a pay-per-view I don't want to care about a move I don't want to react to a move I want to care about a human being. I want to react to a human being. Last night, when Jey Uso was basically incoherent, couldn't answer, couldn't do anything for minutes, just laying there, laying there, laying there. And then all of a sudden, Roman's going to cave his skull in, and here comes Jimmy. 
And then we have that emotional interaction between Jimmy and Roman where Roman starts to cry and maybe for a moment we think Roman sees the error of his ways despite the fact the way he came up in his family, there were no error of his ways. He's doing what his uncle and father would have done before him. We get that emotional interaction and then Roman starts to choke out Jay, uh, Jimmy. And Jay Uso never said, I quit, because he was giving up to Roman. He said, I quit to protect his brother. That story right there within the other stories that are being told is phenomenal. Jay Uso was willing to have his skull caved in so he could wake up this morning out of his coma and just so he could have said, I never said I quit. He quit to save his brother. So much emotion invested. That's better than any super kick, any Canadian destroyer, any 450, any stupid spot for the sake of a spot that just makes you go, ooh. You want to talk about five-star matches? Last night was five-star storytelling to, to, the, to the level that I have not seen in a long, long time. One more quick point, Dave, before we get to the next caller. At the end of the, at the, end of the, the night when we saw Roman on the stage with Afa and Sika, where was Heyman? I don't even remember where he he was behind them. He, I think he was standing behind them. I, to, to be completely honest with you, Bully, I can't tell you exactly where he was because I was not focused on Paul Heyman in that moment. You know why you weren't focused on him? Because he was nowhere to be seen. That's what you call brilliance. That's what you call smart. That's what you call taking your own whatever and putting it completely to the side. Paul Heyman knows in that moment in time, he belongs nowhere near the spotlight. Because the character of Paul Heyman knows that if he would have got too close, other than handing Roman his championship, and Roman didn't even look at Heyman. He never made eye contact. He just extended his hand. Renfield, where's my championship belt? Here it is, master. Here it is, uh, high chief. And then Heyman scurried into the corner again. As a character, it was smart, but as a professional, it's so smart. Because Heyman knows, despite the fact that he's side by side with Roman in this story, he has no business being in that shot with Afa and Sika. That shot that will be played for weeks and months and years on end. Paul Heyman has no business taking up any oxygen in that shot. And that is a veteran performance by Paul Heyman in doing absolutely nothing. Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime on the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. And Randy Orton. 
Bully, 14-time world champion, as I said, in the same sentence of Triple H, John Cena, and the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Pretty good company for Randy Orton at the top. Absolutely. Very deserving. There's, you know, what, what more can you say about Randy? Uh, good match against Drew. I'm kind of ready to move on from Randy and Drew. Uh, I'm ready for maybe whoever the, the next in line for Randy is. However, the next in line is never going to be as big as the looming superstar named Edge, who I'm sure we'll see back at some point, depending on how his healing is going. Good cage match. Like I said, didn't think it should have been last. I would have put Sasha and Bailey on last. Would have nice to see. Would have been nice to see the women headline. Headline in a cell, not because they're women, but because their match lived up to a hell in a cell match. Little too many kendo sticks for me, as I said uh, last week, but still phenomenal performance. I loved the innovation of when they used the table on the outside and Sasha ran up the table and gave Bailey the Meteora into the cage. Thought it was great. Thought the physicality was great. And great job by Sasha post-match not jumping for joy and going crazy because she won the women's championship, but being pensive and kind of retrospective as to what just happened. She had to beat the shit out of her best friend in order to get there. It's almost like she was staring at Bailey like, wow, I can't believe I had to do this to this girl. Like, what has happened to me? What has happened to my life? What has happened to our friendship? It's almost like you could see her life flashing before her, before she finally stands up and makes eye contact with the championship. And then she was able to smile and be proud of herself and happy about herself. I love the fact that that's what happened as opposed to, oh, yeah, I just won. This is great blah 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 it was like man i had to go someplace i never felt i had to go before in order to get the job done and again emotional like you talked you talked about emotions you got that emotions from sasha with randy Orton. you know you talk about emotions i don't know if you had a chance to watch it but the untold that was on right after hell in a cell i mean first of all i you know i wanted to i, I had other things to do randy orton starts off that episode and he draws you in with his first sentence. Like, you know, he's like, I'm, 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 I'm just going to talk and I'm going to tell you the truth. And as soon as you hear that, it's like, okay, I'm in. And for the next 45 minutes, I was just staring at my TV screen because, you know, Randy Orton talked about the story between him early on in 2002 and the feud that he had with The Undertaker. And, man, you hear Randy Orton where, and you've heard these stories before, you know, obviously you know it more firsthand than anybody else, Bully, but about where Randy's head was 18 years ago and where it is now and what a drastic change. And that 45 minutes was almost like from beginning to end an apology to The Undertaker and also an apology to a lot of people who worked with him you talk about maturity. I think we've seen a lot of maturity from Randy Orton over the last 18 years. Absolutely. And I did catch um, the the network special after Helena Cell went off the air and listening to Randy tell the story about busting open The Undertaker and how it happened and the, the nuances, the intricacies and the details. 
I had the same exact thing happen to me with The Undertaker. And Undertaker handled the situation with me the same way he handled it with Randy. And I think that just speaks volumes to the, you know, to the pro that Taker is, you know. I made a mistake. Randy made a mistake. We both busted Taker open really bad. He busted open his nose. I busted open the back of his head. And Taker never, ever, quote, unquote, getting us back until it was time to get us back in a very professional way. You know, Randy talked about the receipt. I got mine. Randy got his. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a good special last night. Yeah, and it, it's, it's um, you know, hearing that, hey, you know what? Like when, you know, because like you said, he busted Undertaker open with the chair, hit, hit him right, right at the bridge of the nose and ripped off skin, and he was busted open. He was bleeding everywhere. And Randy went up to him after that match and apologized. And, and Undertaker's like, I get it. It's all good. You'll get your receipt. And it's like, I'm, I'm guessing for you too, bully. Like, it's like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, at some point, this is going to happen. And, you know, with, with Randy, it happened when Undertaker, the next time Undertaker had a chair in his hand. He's like, here comes your receipt. And he said he did it in a very professional way. So. Listening to Randy talk, he was talking about the trajectory of the chair shot, the angle of the chair shot. I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly what happened to me because of Taker's height. My swing was off and I clipped him the wrong way and got to the back, went to Taker's locker room, fully, fully prepared to fight because that's what may have happened. And I would have got my ass kicked and so be it, but I would have got one shot in. Taker said, sit down. I want to talk to you. you. Can't be reckless out there. If you get, you're going to get a reputation of being reckless. Don't do that. When my times comes, you'll get yours. Good job, Bubba. Thanks. Bye. Uh, okay, thank you, sir. And uh, brought him a battle, Jack Daniels, the next day. <laughs> moving on, all right, moving on. All right, let's get back to the to Hell in a Cell from last night. We talked about Orton and McIntyre, uh, we talked about Sasha and Bailey. You mentioned Sasha and Bailey being the match of the night, and they told the story as well. And they were on an emotional roller coaster. You talked about the emotion of Sasha once that match was over, and then interesting the main event being Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, especially since Randy won, because you know, Bully, the WWE usually likes to end with a bit of a smile on people's faces. You didn't get that with Randy Orton beating Drew McIntyre. Again, history being made, 14-time champion. Probably, Bully, when it's all said and done, he's going to have more championships than anybody because Randy's only 40. He's got a good 10 years left in him, so I'm sure there's going to be a couple more championship opportunities coming his way quietly and I know it sounds crazy but quietly Randy Orton has become one of the greatest of all time I know this probably can't happen in modern day wrestling because of people's attention spans and, and they get bored so quickly but Dave wouldn't it be nice to see somebody have a championship run that kind of reminded you of a Bruno run I'm not saying anybody should be the champion for for eight years. But, man, if anybody could hold on to that championship for a long time, it is a Randy Orton. Now, didn't how, what, what's been the longest reign lately? I mean, it was what? It was oh. Punk, and then it was Brock, and... 
Yeah, I mean, Punk had a very long reign. Uh, Brock's reign was long because he just didn't wrestle that much. I mean, we just saw Bailey have a year with holding on to the SmackDown Women's Championship very quietly, but that you know that was a long run. And I think the key word there is quietly. Yes, um, I'd love to see Randy have a a, a long reign with a with I guess Flair esque matches. You know. Those real quality championship matches. I just don't know if it's possible anymore. I think people get tired of stuff too quickly. And as many Randy lovers that there are out there, there are people who find Randy very vanilla at times and really can't get into Randy because Randy's just such a great wrestler and such a great technician. Randy, um, I think uh, Randy's kind of like, he's kind of like grits at times. You know, grits take on the flavor of whatever you mix in with them. Yeah, you know, and it's a really good you, comparison, actually, because you've said it. You know, when I've had these discussions with you about Ro- about Randy being one of the greatest of all time, you said that he he needs to be challenged. He needs to be in there with somebody. I think Drew was a was a good challenge for Randy Orton, and I think Edge obviously was the, was the deal breaker as well. And it's not Randy's fault. Look at the network special we were watching last uh, last night. At 23 years old, who is he in the ring with? He's in the ring with The Undertaker. So, like, he's been in the ring with Taker and Cena. and Br- He's been in the ring with all of the stars that are on his level. Now who does he get to be in the ring with at times? Guys that are much, you know, beneath, you know, lower than him that he's got to bring up. So now he has to be The Undertaker. And his challenge is raising guys to his level. Yeah. But Randy still wants to work up to the next level so this is where the challenges come in for randy and when i see randy in there with guys that are i'm gonna say guys that randy perceives as better than him then we get the best of randy orton hey everyone this is nicole auerbach and i want to invite you inside the coaches clubhouse a brand new podcast from sirius xm that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. It is interesting, Bully, where this is going to lead. Because with Roman Reigns now... I mean, is there more to this family story? Is this now on pause? Could this go somewhere else? It's going to be interesting what's next for Roman Reigns after that victory last night. There are a lot of players out there in the Samoan family that you could bring in. I mean, if tonight we were to get, let's just say, Rikishi involved. Rikishi being the dad of Jim and Jay Uso. Rikishi being older than Roman. What if Rikishi was there with his sons and Roman face to face? And Rikishi said, good job, Roman. You did what you needed to do. And the boys look at him like, damn it, dad. What the? How could you? How could you even? uh, We're your children. We're your twins. Don't matter. Don't matter, us. No matter, little Oose, you know how this is. You know how this family runs. You know the rules. That's the chief. What if Rikishi made his two kids bow down to Roman? Oof. 
because Rikishi being higher up in the bloodline, understanding the family tradition. Maybe that family tradition got a little watered down with Jimmy and Jay for some reason. Maybe dad has to smack Jimmy and Jay around a little bit so they understand. When Alpha and, Se- Alpha and Seeker watched that whole match, didn't they? Yeah, I mean... How come Alpha and Seeker didn't come down and try to do anything about it? How come Alpha and Seeker didn't, th- didn't think it was too much? Imagine what we saw in a ring. Th- that was the Samoans' house. I could have seen Alpha and Seeker and the entire Samoa family uh, making a giant circle around the living room watching Roman do what he did to Jey Uso. I could see them just sitting back, having a drink, watching that whole fight take place in front of them. And Alpha turns to Sika, and Alpha goes, Brother, you think we should stop this? And Sika turns around and goes, No, brother, nobody said I quit yet. Let him fight it out. That's how it would have happened, right? Yep. High chief, the tribal leader. I'm surprised they didn't fight until one guy, you know, I'm not dead, but you know what I mean. Fight it, you know, fight it out to the death. Duke it out to the end. And you know what? If Jey Uso would have said, if, if Jey Uso would have made Roman Reigns say I quit, I bet you Afen Sika would have been there too and put that traditional yep. ceremonial necklace over Jay's head because it's about the family and the bloodline and the, and the toughest, the roughest, the biggest, baddest Samoan on the planet. I got to tell you, you know, looking, looking down the road, the foreshadowing is the rock, right? I mean, that's what most people would probably want to see at the end of the day. I do not want to see the Hollywood version of The Rock right now in this storyline. You better give me the version of The Rock that that laid there for 18 hours and got that tattoo. I want to see the high chief Peter Maivia live through Dwayne Johnson. Because that's the only guy, in my opinion, or the, ver- or the character version that I need to see from The Rock. You give me the typical Rock, if you smell, no, bullshit. Roman, kill him now. I don't want to see that. Now I hope Roman eviscerates The Rock and we're done with The Rock forever. That's not what I want to see. Roman has gone someplace different. Heyman has gone someplace different. I need The Rock to go someplace there. I need The Rock to go back to his tribal heritage. And yeah, you might come from the loins of Afa and Sika, Roman, but I come from the loins of the original High Chief. The High Chief, Peter Maivia. Now we got something. If I get Hollywood Rocky and limousines and all the taglines and all that happy horse shit, ugh, go away. I don't, th- I don't think The Rock, if The Rock was to come back, and listen, there's a lot of factors for The Rock to come back. We knew that from the match with John Cena. Like, you know, the production companies went ape shit because he got injured. You know, the, the, the guy's a movie star. You know, there's a lot of insurance and, and things, though The Rock could probably you do whatever he wants to. At this point, I don't think The Rock would want to come back to be that rock that you're describing. that I, I don't think that's enticing to him at all. I think and, this family bloodline would be the only reason that The Rock would come back into the world of pro wrestling. Rocky got that tattoo first. Roman got it after him. 
There's a story there with the tattoo, the family bloodline. And all I'm saying is, you're you're telling me you don't think Rocky would want to do that. I'm agreeing. I'm saying, I hope he doesn't. That's not the person I want to see. I want to see the grandson of the original high chief, Peter Maivia, come back to fight the son and the nephew of the wild Samoans, the new high chief. Now, this is kind of a little bit off the track, but it still involves the bloodline that we're talking about, Bully. I tweeted out last night that how much I loved that match and that I thought it was epic, and I, I tweeted out a picture of, of the Samoans with Roman, and Jacob Fatu, son of the Tonga kid, responded and said, fucked us all up. So I'm wondering, you know, what he meant in reference to, I'm guessing he's talking about the whole family, that that moment and that match really did fuck everything up. And I hope it's so messed up that every living Samoan that has any ties to Afa, Sika, Roman, Rocky, uh, the Usos, I hope every single member of the family gets shown at one time or another, if not all together. Dude, tonight on Raw, if every living Samoan in, in the Inouye family... Well, we'd have to be- wait to SmackDown. I'm sorry, because, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Because he's on I'm, SmackDown. My bad. Friday at SmackDown, if all the living members were out there to to acknowledge who he is, those are moments. If I'm seeing Rikishi again, uh, Lloyd and Noy, from the from the least well known of the Samoan families to the most well known, if I get to see Rikishi again, that's such great storytelling to me, man. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.